0: Yeah, I, I, I kind of was just like, how, how? I, I had this weird moment where I was just like, I really need a vacation. Like, I really need like a week off. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, what can I go do? What, what's happening in like the next three weeks? And I was like, how much are tickets for Formula One? Too much money. <laughs> We just need to give them a pit lane penalty for every single race going (laughs) forward. But um, this isn't a racing podcast. This is episode 73 of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, which, if I got my dates correct, should be going up on June 11th, 2023. Uh, I'm blind and I'm hosting, and uh, I'm joined by Sui, who's off in the corner. How are you? I'm
1: good. I'm good. I'm really enjoying uh, Summer Game Fest.
0: Just vibing and watching games get announced.
1: Yes.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, we're also joined by the voice that you probably just heard, Bloody
2: Drongo. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, excited to be here. And uh, I think this is the first time that we've actually had a, 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 an extended conversation about our mutual love of F1. So I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to flying out to, to
0: Montreal in like a week and watching Formula One and then taking a week off, even though I'm only actually going to be in Montreal from like Friday until Tuesday. So I'm missing practice, but I'll be in the city during qualifying. I'll just go find a restaurant or something to watch it at and then I'll be going to the actual race the next day. So I have like a, a, a day and a bit or an afternoon and then a day to figure out how to get into the track i've been to the track before i actually rode a bicycle around it last year when i went to montreal so that'll be fun um and also like i I think more f1 manager stuff just got announced not that I'll, i'll be playing that probably but uh
2: yeah i think that comes out a little bit later this month or next month i think it is i played the first one and i enjoyed it weirdly quick turnaround on that but
1: My entire knowledge of car racing is Mm -hmm. uh Mario Kart, so
0: (laughs) well, I mean, if you if you want to watch attractive men complain about how somebody else's car is slightly faster than theirs and about how like their team could be slightly better, and then watch people change tires really, really, really quickly, um, while British people talk over it, it's it's good fun. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, I like the attractive men and the tire changing quickly part.
0: You, the rest sounds would, boring. You would really like Daniel Ricardo then, because that's all he does. He's not very fast these days. Generally, when he's in <laughs> a right, car, Googling. and uh, he just kind of smiles.
1: Ricardo. <laughs>
0: There's actually, I actually have an emote of him in my chat, oh, and I just he heard Windows
1: attractive. I just Ooh. heard Windows
0: disconnecting noises oh. that's not good well, oh, that not cool. okay nothing yeah. broke so I, I, I will just hope that nothing important unplugged hopefully it was just a controller or something but um yeah no um that, that, that's as um as as a friend of mine describes formula one it's high speed twinks in a circle
2: um, <laughs> i mean it's so, not wrong <laughs> uh,
0: except for maybe alonzo
2: but true, true. But I mean, he's he's Alonzo. dating Taylor Swift now, right? So allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> he, keeps
1: posting, he keeps posting. Alonzo TikToks. Alonso who? Uh,
2: Fernando Alonso. Yes.
0: Oh, the, Fernando the Alonzo.
2: Fernando. Fernando.
0: Uh, but no, he keeps posting TikToks of like with. Taylor Swift songs playing just like fucking grinning because so <laughs> like dude. obviously that's not actually happening it's just rumor mill stuff but the the, just... the
2: the best part in my mind is the head canon that that it is actually happening and the height difference between those two is just astronomical <laughs> so funny my, my,
0: my, my favorite really? Alonzo bit from the last like year or so was at the very end of this past round of Drive to Survive on Netflix and he's just like Every sport needs a bad guy. I'll mm-hmm. be the Wait, bad guy. Wait,
2: she's
1: taller than him.
0: Oh, way taller.
2: Oh, yeah. Fernando is, like, super
0: short. The thing you need to know about f- Formula One drivers, Sui, is they're all quite short because optimal build for Formula One is slender, like, 5'6", five, 5'5", five, five, and, like, not huge. Like,
2: they're, they're all very, very, very physically fit, but none of them are bulky. Except in the mm. necks because otherwise their necks would literally snap off under the G-forces. Yeah, because they're doing, like, 50 Gs around those corners sometimes. I was trying to, like,
0: explain, like, how... Like, why it's a physical sport to my mom, because my mom refuses to believe that any car racing is a physical sport. I'm like, you know that they do, like, 50 Gs in those corners. These guys are, like, jet pilots. <laughs> and, like, those dudes have to train. Because uh, one of the one of the uh, drivers, uh, Kevin Magnuson... Um, was out of the sport for a year, and when uh, the uh, uh, illegal invasion of Ukraine by Russia happened, and the Russian driver, um, or, and a Russian driver got kicked out, he was called back to take his seat back from the Russian that replaced him. And uh, when he came back, he like hadn't been training, and just and had like three weeks or something to like get ready. And after his first race, they're like, "How are you feeling?" He's like, "I can't feel my neck." <laughs> <laughs> It's like aside from that, do it okay. But yeah, no. Formula One's a f- it's it's a it's a fun sport to watch. It's it, i I had someone describe it like baseball. It's like it's something that's just like practice and qualifying is just nice to have on the back on in the background. And then the actual race is like really exciting for like the beginning and the end, and then the rest you can just kind of chill. But hmm. here it's here it's not really a a baseball esque sport because I have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning for most of the races
2: oh dude i'm up at like anywhere between like 11 at night uh through till about five in the morning for about 90 percent of the season like during the actual season my sleeping pattern on sundays is absolutely disgusting it was my boss actually uh in my when I was working full time was, <laughs> knew that on a race weekend, not to bother calling me until midday <laughs> on the Monday because he knew that I was probably still asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
0: Yeah, I, I mean like here it's like, everything's between like 5 and 7 a.m. And then oh, like there's like two races a year that are at like midday. And then there's like Japan, it starts at like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat, except it's more just like I have to force my sleep schedule into something a little bit more normal,
2: I guess. Well, I mean, I guess the, the, the good news is that there's now, you know, some more North American races at least, which is which is good.
0: I'm kind of looking forward to the race in Vegas. That's going to be interesting. It's either going to be absolutely horrendous or it's going to be very entertaining. And I, I think that it, regardless, it'll be cool to look at, but
2: yeah it'll it'll certainly be a spectacle one way or another i think a lot of people have already written it off as being really really bad but honestly like i don't know i'm i'm willing to give it a chance like a lot of people said that Jeddah was going to be really really bad and we've had some pretty good races at Jeddah. I, th- so, I think Jeddah's yeah. is
0: kind of a dangerous
2: circuit but oh it is I... super dangerous but we've had some good races there
0: it's no isle of man tt but it's uh it's 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 certainly not a safe circuit to to go around super fast. It's it Jeddah kind of surprises me that they put it on the calendar just because of how sketchy those corners are. But, but money. But money, yes. Yeah. Money? <laughs> money. Just like, you know, normal no normal like I'm going to go see the 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 race in uh Montreal, right? And like my ticket was like five hundred and fifty dollars for one day. Wow. And it's like so the, the 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 general admission weekend pass for vegas without a hotel is two thousand one hundred dollars
2: holy
0: that's the general admission because like i i looked it up because like flights to vegas are like 90 bucks from here sometimes like it, it is not expensive to fly to vegas and obviously they'd be more expensive during a formula one race but like i i was when that got it out, so I was like maybe maybe and i looked at it i was like nope no that's not happening
2: yeah, that is uh, that is mm-hmm. ludicrous. Also, I'd like to acknowledge the fact that we said we, you open with the segue. This is not a podcast about nope, no <laughs> racing. Nope, nope. it is we'll not. Continue to just talk about racing. So my bad for yeah. actually putting us back on that track. But uh
0: the thing that is it? actually really exciting about Vegas, though, is it's not early in the year. It's not in the summer, and it's late at night. It's gonna be cold.
2: True. Sure.
0: Like I, I was in Vegas in November and it was like 10 degrees during the day
2: So is that like, like Fahrenheit at night or Celsius? That's Celsius at that low I think is it is it more or less the same? I actually I actually don't know
0: And then at night it go it was going down to like like sub 10 It was like 6 degrees outside like you could see Fahrenheit
2: your breath. to Celsius. Oh, what that's what minus 12 Celsius? Yo, what?
0: That that I was talking in Celsius, not in Fahrenheit.
2: Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah, sorry. I I don't I don't
0: I don't speak in Fahrenheit. Oh
2: yeah. I'm Canadian, not American. But
0: yeah, no, so like it's it's gonna be cold. That's it's gonna be chilly probably. Yeah. So I don't know. They'll be sliding everywhere. Um, anyway, th- this is this is a video games podcast, I swear. And Sui's also here. So, Sui, what have you been up to recently? Try and st- steer us uh, onto a topic that maybe isn't cars going in circles.
1: <laughs> vroom, vroom. Anyway, um, I, what have I been up to? I've been spending way too much time playing Final Fantasy 14 because there was a new patch and there's like a new Savage tier, which mm-hmm. is like the really hardcore content, you know? Yep. So, I've been doing a bunch of crafting in it. And gathering to like, you know, try to make money and like get myself all the way up to current tier. And then I've been rating with my static, which I am doing on Wednesdays on my stream now.
0: Well, you know, honestly, I think that that's a pretty good uh, segue here. Why don't we just dive into games? Mm-hmm. And uh, when we come back from this real quick break, uh, Sui's gonna continue talking about Final Fantasy. And we're back with the Halcyon Frequency podcast. So Sui, yeah, talk to me about MMOs.
1: Yeah, well, just Final Fantasy XIV. Um, yes. none no, others. Not, not right now. Anyway, um, not currently. <laughs> I'm too you obsessed. You're not with, cheating on your wife. Yet. Yeah, yeah, not quite. Um, though it would be. I'm not into girls, but that's a different topic. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway um i have been playing a bunch of it lately like i took a break for a while and now i'm going hard again like i have spent a ton of time crafting and gathering i'm getting the newest gear um i'm doing savage Rating with a static which i'm doing on wednesdays and thursdays wednesdays i'm streaming on twitch i might start streaming it on youtube on thursdays Mm. i'm not sure yet Um, And it's been a lot of fun. Um, So this tier is like really hard, actually. Uh, The world first took over 24 hours to reach, which is pretty crazy. I'm pretty sure they're usually way faster than that. But the issue is the first raid, there's this really complicated mechanic that took a really long time for anybody to figure out how it works. And it's this whole, like, numbers thing where everyone gets assigned and... In... Well, okay, half the party gets assigned in a number. Half the party randomly gets the thing put to them so they have to go to the other side so the rest of the party doesn't get hit by it. While at the same time, people are grabbing towers and being hit by a boss and you're having to go all over the place. And if one person messes up, then they're dead. And if the wrong person messes up, the whole party is dead. So... It's it's a lot. We've managed to beat that mechanic twice, but not with the full party alive. Um, but that yeah, the prog of my party feels really good. My group, um, and I've been having a ton of fun just overall. Well,
0: that's awesome. I um, I'll be completely honest. That game exists and is popular. I never have any idea what's going on in it until updates come out. And even then, I usually don't even realize that updates have released for it. It's just suddenly a bunch of people will be playing Final Fantasy, and I'll be like, oh, I guess something's going on over there. Must be that yeah, time. I
1: usually... Yeah, it gets really popular whenever a new patch comes out. And then, like, toward the end before the next patch, they usually do an event to try to get people to play more again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, well, I guess Bellinair and Aaron Sui are going to disappear for a month. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, I need to find out if Bell's done any Savage rating or anything.
2: I think uh, hey. Bell's been doing hey. some ESO lately with the new yeah. Necron mm. uh, DLC that came out.
0: Yeah, a few people have been getting into that, I think. Again,
2: another game yeah. that exists
0: and is popular that I <laughs> never know what's happening with it until suddenly everybody's yeah. playing it again.
1: I wish I could enjoy it, but my thing is, is like, I can't handle overly gloomy ga- games, and like Sky the Elder Scroll series overall is very gloomy and like grayscale and stuff, and it just I can't do it. I don't know why, but it's like I'm really picky when it comes to medieval fantasy or medieval in general, and like grayscale, gloomy type stuff. Like, I can't do uh, Darkest Dungeon either, you know. It just makes me sad. Yeah, I just get like really emotionally kind of distraught.
0: I would not think of Elder Scrolls games as gloomy, except for maybe like Daggerfall, but that's kind of a different era. And like Oblivion was super colorful for for its time anyway. I mean, it was yeah, like, it like it was a lot of greens, but it had a, had a nice color palette.
1: But it's not like whimsical fantasy, right? That's where I'm happy. I'm happy in your cute whimsical fantasy, right? Yeah. So when you think about that, I'm gonna view that as gloomy. But they know? have
2: cat people.
1: That doesn't mean it's not gloomy.
2: Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I there is a point there. I, 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 I'll talk about this a little bit later. But I have actually been on a big uh, Skyrim binge lately, and I can I can t- speak directly to this point. But well, Why don't you
1: just talk about it now? Yeah, go nuts.
2: All right. Well, I have been playing um, Elder Scrolls Skyrim, and I've been doing permadeath um, survival mode. Um, master difficulty uh, runs I now have a PB of level six and it has been extremely punishing I think I'm up to my eighth character now uh, but it has been so much fun and so challenging but one thing I will say directly about the the Khajiit or the cat people in Elder Scrolls is that one of the cool things about them and one of the things that makes them really fun in the early game is is the fact that they get a massive bonus to their unarmed damage and being able to run around and just absolutely like punch the absolute crap out of people and like suplex them off cliffs and stuff like that with a whimsical cat person is just like the most bizarre clash between oh this is kind of fun and and silly and then just like absolute utter brutality (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. And also, like, then, depending on where you are in the world and what character you're playing, they might just start calling you names for being a cat person.
2: (laughs) That is true. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) It's like, uh, 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 unless you're playing a, uh, whatever the, like, imperialists are, which I can never remember the name of the different groups,
2: but... Oh, um... in in Skyrim it's the the Nords is the one that... The Nords, yes. They're kind of the, the, um, the, the native peoples even though they're not natives um to skyrim they've claimed this land yeah
0: yeah if you're not playing as the nords then you just kind of get insulted by them every time you see them regardless of who you're playing
2: exactly but i mean it it is actually really interesting because it's skyrim came out originally in in 2011 and even though i've been playing the uh, special edition which has, you know, have had a bunch of, you know, different updates, including graphical and content wise, is still a a really, really fun game. And it still holds up. Like, I know a lot of people don't love it compared to Oblivion and Morrowind and stuff like that. But honestly, like, I still think it's a really solid game. I appreciate those other ones in different ways. But, um, you know, Skyrim is just a, a good game. And I think it's a, it's almost become a victim of its own popularity because it's, like, kind of a little bit popular to hate on it for being, like, kind of, like, a, you know, super basic game and there's not much to it when, you know, there's actually a lot of really cool aspects to it.
1: There is a lot to it, yeah, I agree. That's, like, see, I enjoyed, like, how diverse the world is and how many different things there is to do, but uh, honestly, it's just, like, I'm not a medieval fantasy person, like... Mm-hmm. For some reason, I like Divinity Originals in 2. Divinity's goofy feels... as all hell, though. Yeah, I think it's the goofiness that just brings up the atmosphere so much, you know? But, like, I don't know. It just feels so serious, and the tone feels kind of, like, dark
2: Yeah, as
0: looking well. at Looking at my Steam account right now, I haven't played Skyrim since August 6th, 2012. Wow. Um yeah, uh, but I did play it for 133 hours. I, I, I looking thinking back at my time with Skyrim, I, like two main things really bothered me. It doesn't feel like you're playing an RPG, at least to me. It feels like an action adventure game with quests. Like it, the 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 it never really quite felt open and free enough that I was actually playing an RPG, and that always kind of bothered me. Like, um, I I. I the the dungeons always just kind of felt plain and repetitive and not in like a good way um but like there definitely was fun to be had there like i i look back on those days fondly the the biggest like dumb nitpick i have about skyrim however is just the fact that uh there are no dragons in skyrim they claim that there's dragons in skyrim but there isn't a single dragon in skyrim i played that entire original quest i finished the game there are no dragons in skyrim there are however a lot of werverns which are uh you know uh, more bat-like creatures with feet with wings attached to their feet um whereas dragons have four feet and then wings on their back um and that's always really bothered me that skyrim <laughs> doesn't have any dragons yet they seem to insist they do <laughs> Which is why clearly the only optimal way to play Skyrim is to replace all of the dragons with Thomas the Tank Engine, and then Sui can have her
2: whimsical goofiness. That That is true. Yeah. I mean, the, the modding scene for Skyrim is nothing short of impressive, but I think it's it's interesting for me, like, it's one of those games where I will have a period, usually about once a year or once every couple of years, where I'll just be like, man, I really got the craving to go back and play that again, and then I'll play it for like maybe one or two months and then I won't pick it up again for another year or two years. It's just a little cyclical thing. But it's just one of those comfort games to come back to and, and enjoy from time to time.
0: Certainly. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Um, speaking of comfort games, I'm going to talk about something that's been very comforting to me for re- recent uh, times as I've been playing through it. Uh, System Shock's remake finally came out. Um, and so this, this is the dev- like very long-time developed uh, once kickstarted uh, remake of the original System Shock, developed by Night Dive and published by Prime Matter, and uh, this is a good this this is this is a goodie this, this is this is a really 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 this is this has been a treat for me I really 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 have been enjoying it um, are either of you even remotely familiar with System Shock?
1: Nope, I am looking it up right now.
2: I have not played either the the original or the remake, but I have watched uh one of my friends um playing the the remake version, and it does look to be a genuinely good and really competently done and well polished remake.
0: Yeah, so it's not perfect. It it's got some I, I would describe it as it's got a little bit of clunk to it, uh, but kind of in a good way. So the the original system shock came out in nineteen ninety four. Um and it was it, the basically the prototype for immersive sims, largely uh, game franchises like Deus Ex, Thief, uh, more modern games like Prey and Dishonored. Very much that kind of game exists because of System Shock to a degree. Um, it was the uh, it, and, and it also kind of did a lot of things that nobody else was really doing at the time, right? Like back in 1994, well, you had like Doom, right? And you had Wolfenstein, which was you, you run around in an area and then you finish the level and you move on to the next level. This game had large open environment, like the original System Shock had large open environments that you could freely roam around without load screens. There were load screens in the elevator where you moved to different floors and it had adventure game elements where you'd get into the elevator and you'd go up several floors then you'd get an item and take it down to a different floor and use that item to do a thing. Um, uh, The developers originally described it as science fiction underworld, um, Ultima underworld, which was a kind of an earlier take on this, but um, was not as, um, what's the word? It was a lot more primitive than System Shock even was back in 1994. Now the original System Shock, the enhanced edition, is playable. A normal human being can play it, but it is getting to the point where it doesn't age that well because like I would describe the the remake of System Shock as a little bit clunky. The original System Shock is old. It looks old, it feels old. It's it it, it it's getting to that point where uh, even for me as somebody who's played the original, it's hard to go back to. Now this System Shock is level layout wise a one-to-one remake like there is a couple side-by-side comparison videos of like the character sprinting across the map, and it takes the same amount of time to sprint across these levels. And all of the, like, the walls are the same shape, um, the same kind of weird flat panel design that they did with flat textures in the original System Shock and System Shock Enhanced Edition. Um, they just took those same textures and textured them. So like uh, this weird like square pattern that was on the walls, there are little raised bumps now. Um, the areas are colored almost identically uh the the main i think aesthetic difference between the original game and the remake is the remake is a lot darker with a lot more neon and it has this um look to it that i love that has been a bit divisive i've, I've seen some people say that they don't like the look of it but it's got this like very large pixel art look to it almost like valheim um yeah. which i personally think suits it really, really well, and combine that with the ni- the really nice lighting, the very, very good audio design and, like, atmospheric audio design. Um, uh, like, y- you can sit in a room and hear a mech walking two rooms down, echoing down hallways, and I have really nice headphones, and it's it's really nice to be able to, like, go, okay, I have to pull out a EMP because I can hear this guy coming. Um, the part where I think the game kind of falls flat a little bit is it is kind of buggy. Um, like the first time I took an elevator, uh, slight, I guess, spoiler, but when you take the elevator off of the first floor to the first sec to, to, to the upper floor, I won't say which one it is because that kind of is a spoiler, but the doors open and there's a bunch of zombies there, right? Now I did what any normal human being would do. And I pushed the button to go back down a floor, right? Bunch of zombies got into the elevator, got stuck above the elevator. When I got down, then the elevator music didn't stop. So I was just listening to this elevator jazz music, which by the way, was hysterical, of um, get back into the elevator and then go back up the elevator and then all the zombies fell through the ceiling of the elevator and I was in an elevator full of zombies. <laughs> um, which, you know, it did. It, I didn't die. I killed them. It was fine. Um, but largely all of the bugs I have been running into haven't been game-breaking. They've just been utterly hysterical. Um, I know that there is a few ways in the game to brick your progress because there is a recycling item or station where you can recycle items and get cash back basically, which you can spend on vending machines to get more health kits and stuff because your health does not regenerate. Um, but, uh, you can like accidentally recycle necessary items to progress. <laughs> um, and then your save is just done. Um, So you kind of have to be a little bit careful like that, and I've I've heard some reports of some late-game bugs that can be pretty debilitating, but that stuff all seems to be getting patched up pretty quick because it's pulled a number of patches since launch. Um, The other kind of thing that I would say I wish was better is the guns feel great. Like, it it feels good to shoot the guns. The shotgun's good. The uh, pistols are good. The machine pistol is great. Um, The beam weapons are a little weak. (laughs) Um, The... Problem is the enemies don't really react when you shoot them or when you hit them. So it's hard to tell if you're doing damage to them. And the melee weapons, while they sound good and the blood looks fantastic, don't have that much impact when you actually hit stuff. So it kind of just feels janky in that way. Um, And a lot of the combat, similar to the original, so this is being faithful, uh, but also it shows its design age. A lot of the combat kind of comes down to I'm going to sit at a corner and lean around the corner and because this enemy can't actually shoot me, and I'm just going to shoot it with my pea shooter like five times until it falls over, and it's just shooting a wall instead of shooting me. Um, So the combat's a lot of that, but as a kind of stealth-focused, open-environment remake of a game from 1994, I am having an absolute blast with it.
2: That's awesome. I think it's very... uh, It's always... Uh, a pretty big challenge to find the line between when you're coming in, like for a remake or a remaster of a, an old and a really beloved title like that, to find the line between okay, what do we actually like rebuild and, and remake, and you know, what do we actually keep basically as is to remain faithful to the original. And it sounds like they've managed to strike a, a pretty good line between those two kind of um, concepts.
0: And of, of, of course, everybody loves getting yelled at by the, the best evil robot mommy. So, you know, yell at me, Shodan. I'll be here all week. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's kind of all I really have to say about System Shock, unless there's anything more you guys want to ask about it. Because like, you know, it's it it's System Shock. You, you're best off going into it with a pencil and paper because someone's going to mention a code at some point. You're probably going to need to write it down. Um and there, there are like passcodes in there already that seem to change every playthrough. Um, so, like, there was a code that I was trying to figure out to get through a particular door, and then um, ended up going back through my VOD to find the code. And while I was going, and when I found it, somebody else was like, "Oh, I was just gonna say what my what the code was because I like, uh, but you had the the backseating turned off. Good thing I didn't because mine was a completely different number than yours." Um, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so so there is some things that change from playthrough to playthrough i don't know how much of that's in there I actually don't know how much of that was in the original game like that might actually be something from the original but um yeah no it's it's you, you might need a, a notepad file open while you're playing through it to write some stuff down because you got to listen to those audio logs and pay a bit of attention um but uh you know it's been kind of a, a big rpg heavy Uh-oh. i am i still here i think i am Okay, because uh, Discord just did the uh, "I'm spinning circle" thing for a Uh-oh. second, um, so I think we're okay. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, we've been doing we've been talking about a lot of uh, RPGs. So what, what, Drongo, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand Rogue Trader?
2: Yeah, so I talked a little bit about this back <clears throat> towards the end of last year. I played the uh, the alpha for it. And it was very, very early for the game at that stage. They didn't really have a proper tutorial opening sequence. There was a lot of UI elements and gameplay elements that were very rough. And I, I think at the time I was saying that I might potentially play it on stream, I ended up deciding not to because it was just so incredibly rough. And, um, Uh, Recently, I was given the opportunity to check out the new beta build, which I did actually play on stream. And uh, the good news is that it has moved along quite significantly from the uh, original uh, alpha, which is to be expected now that it's in beta, but uh, just confirmation of that fact that it has made a significant upgrade. And for those of you who maybe aren't aware, War- Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader is a RPG or a CRPG that is set in the Warhammer 40k universe, which is a super grim, dark universe, and it is set from the perspective of a rogue trader, which is like a, a type of faction, human faction within that universe um, that basically operate in the fringe territories of the human empire and they've come in and the uh i guess as a crpg the the gameplay itself is almost like a uh, a classic tabletop rpg sort of style if you think of games like uh Selasta or or divinity uh original sin in the same sort of style Infinity? of those yes and with combat <laughs> that is um, you know, somewhat equivalent to somewhere between, um, I would say like something like XCOM and, uh, you know, Solasta. And it is, it is, it is a lot of fun. I have played through the first few hours of the game now and they have completely changed and updated the opening sequence for the game. And they've, basically introduced a proper system whereby you can start to learn how to actually play the game properly. We started to have like a, an outline of the tutorial. And uh, there is still a lot of placeholder and to be added components and mechanics, but they're all very clearly labeled within the uh, character building and the um, you know class selection and skill selection screens, which is positive. Uh, and the experience I had was, I, I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it up until the point where <laughs> I had a, uh, a dialogue box bug out that I could not get out of, which resulted in me having to restart the game. And when I restarted the game, it did not make any kind of auto save or manual saves. um, of that save file which meant that I loaded the game and the several hours that I'd spent playing had been completely removed so that was a pretty major oversight slash bug and hopefully that is something I can only imagine will be addressed very soon Uh, but that definitely did hamper my overall enjoyment but at the moment I think it's headed in the right direction and it is absolutely up my alley in terms of the types of games that I enjoy so I'm I'm cautiously looking forward to it, the the full release
0: i i do remember previous owlcat games specifically because owlcat is the developer working on this uh, yes I, I do remember previous owlcat games like the, the pathfinder games being uh questionable bugs wise uh towards mm. the later, latter half of the game like i, I i'm very i i remember watching bell and and he was playing a with a build that was like it was like a mirror image build on his Uh, on a character that had dragon form, so it would turn into a dragon, which was like a third of the size of the screen, and then turn into like 50 dragons. Um, (laughs) So the result was you couldn't see anything, and the game ran (laughs) at about four frames a second, which admittedly, I blame his build, but also, like, they should... Try to count for that so i yeah i don't know um the, the the those games seem to have like some weird their games seem to have a little bit of weirdness to them so Curi- curious to see how this one shapes up
2: yeah i mean i think it is worth pointing out that with the previous titles like around pathfinder they did build that quite faithfully around an existing tabletop rpg game system and did a pretty um a, a pretty good job of actually translating that into a video game setting and a, and a and a playable system that was very faithful to that and it looks as though they're doing a very similar thing to Rogue Trader because Rogue Trader of course is its own actual uh TTRPG and it looks like they're following the same sort of formula of of really heavily and you know faithfully trying to recreate that into their own video game style aesthetic and the fact that they've already made a game like pathfinder which is you know it's not the best game that's ever been made in the crpg genre but it's a competent game uh, in general um i think it'll definitely speak uh yeah they've, they've got the chops i think to pull it off hopefully
0: yeah no i i completely agree with that um i'm gonna talk quickly about halls of torment and then i think we'll jump over to hades um I've been playing a little bit of Halls of Torment. Um, so everybody's playing Diablo, right? Like yes. Di- Diablo's is literally out. P- everybody. <laughs> literally everybody's playing Diablo. So I, I've been kind. Of, and I, I don't play Diablo, right? And I also don't support Blizzard or, or Activision as as a studio. So I um, I've been wanting something in like kind of the the gothic feels. Um, now, so, some of you guys might remember, I assume you might remember this, and you, you might as well, Drongo, uh, Chasing Carrots, little developer, they made a game called Good Company, it was mm-hmm. uh, a cute little building game, I don't know if either of you guys remember that, but um, came out in 2022, uh, they re- they released Halls of Torment, um, which is a vampire survivor style, uh, you know, uh, run-based action RPG or uh, automatic survival shooter or whatever the heck you want to call it. It has auto-aiming. You can turn auto-aiming on and off with a, with a toggle. It plays great on a controller, uh, but it looks like Diablo 1, and it's got a great art style to it. You know, it, it plays exactly the same as Vampire Survivors. Like I said, you can aim specifically, but you don't have to and uh it's got armor it's got gear it's got a bunch of like things to unlock it's five bucks it's uh the bosses have like pretty big spell patterns there's three different maps that i've unlocked and i've got four classes unlocked right now and a bunch of different uh spells and things um you know it's got your same grind progression as all these games so each time you go out, you come back, you get money, you put money into a power creep thing to slowly make your dudes more powerful, and when you beat certain bosses and certain levels, you unlock new classes, and then you repeat and go again. Uh, It's got like 200 achievements, so there's plenty of stuff to unlock, I've got like 16 hours in it, it's become my evening game, where every evening I will play a run of it because a map is 30 minutes, and uh, if you don't beat the map in 30 minutes, you you die, and the final boss at the end of the map has like a 2 minute timer to kill it, or you just die. Um, and it's, it it's fun. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's that formula. If you've seen one of those, you've kind of seen them all, but this one just looks like Diablo yeah, talking about I, like things that aren't whimsical.
2: I mean, I, I, I mean, looking at their store, store page, uh, overwhelmingly positive for nearly 2000 reviews, which is, you know, very impressive. Um, and that was, it's only released on the 25th of May. So it's obviously received quite a bit of traction and, yeah, that's uh, that's impressive, and I mean, I think it's priced at a very reasonable price point as well for uh, what it looks like as well. You know, uh, seven seven bucks fifty Australian. That's um, yeah, it looks good.
0: Yeah, these little these little games are interesting because, like, I, I feel they they do one of two things: they either kind of set the world on fire and they take off like this one has, or like nobody seems to notice that they even existed in the first place. And they're all very cheap, so I I, I don't know. It's um, it, they're they're interesting. I. I generally don't jump on to kind of the automatic survival shooters, I guess, but I, this one looks like Diablo and I kind of wanted to play something like that. So
2: yeah. Good show.
0: Uh, speaking of run based things, Sui, you, you've been playing Hades.
1: Yeah, I've been playing Hades. Uh, I can only play it for like two or three hours at a time because if I play it for any longer, like my hand cramps out cause I'm just not used to playing controller that much. Um, And i've been playing it on controller but it's been so fun i've been really enjoying playing the different uh weapons i really like how they kind of incentivize you to try different weapons like i know i'm super late to this party but you know at least i'm here um (laughs) and like oh my gosh the character there's like a hot
0: character for everyone everybody's hot. and i love it everybody's very 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 attractive
1: Dude. Like I'm I'm usually fairly picky so I'm just like most games don't have like men that I find hot, right? <laughs>
0: This, is, like, this has been the Thirst focused... cast. What's happening today? <laughs> the <first>
1: cast. <laughs> look, 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 look. Just let me finish my point. Okay. Most games have hot girls, but they don't really have hot guys, or at least not guys that I'm into, right? Uh-huh. This game has two men where I'm just like, ooh. Can I you interest know?
0: you in Formula One manager? <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> Um,
1: (laughs) but like and like the sound design is really good i really like uh i feel like i'm getting a lot better at the game the more i play it too which feels really good um and overall i'm just having a really good time like i haven't beat the uh oh what is it called It's when you first kind of, when you have, like, you're at the normal people level, like, not the, like, people who are in hell, but the people who are just dead. Uh, I forget what it's called, Uh, but it's, like, the third area you can go to. Uh, And I haven't beaten the final boss. I've gotten to the final boss multiple times, but I just can't beat him. The spear guy, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I, 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 really, 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 really wanted to like Hades, but I had this problem with Hades where, like, I couldn't beat the first boss there's something about the way that game shows depth where like everybody talks about how everything's super bright and colorful and easy to see I find that game to be like almost impenetrable because of how it It, looks I I think it's a gorgeous game I think it's incredibly well designed I respect the hell out of it and wish I could play it
1: (laughs) it's hard to see stuff it is I struggle um quite a few of my deaths have been because I didn't see something that's like I should have been able to see so I don't know I do agree with you that it can be kind of hard uh I don't have it as bad as you do but I definitely understand where you're coming from because it's been an issue for me too and I feel like I'm getting better with time um I'm also kind of just generally bad at like real-time fast-paced combat um and like you know I'm playing Final Fantasy and that's helping with that too but Um, I think that's just like a lack of experience because I didn't grow up playing that kind of game. I play, I grew up playing like Diner Dash and stuff, right? Certainly. So I'm still learning the genre as a whole, if that makes sense. Yep.
0: Like uh, action RPG and action RPG adjacent games are a skill set unto themselves, you know?
1: It is, it is quite the skill set. So, and it takes a lot to like, really like be with in myself and be like it's okay that i'm failing and i'm not as good as other players because they probably grew up on this type of gameplay and i didn't i didn't grow up playing combat games i grew up playing diner dash and like sally's lawn you know like little time management games so Mm. little micromanagey things is what i grew up on
0: cooking mama yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. No, I, I completely agree. And like, the you know, um and Hades is also a really good one to learn on too because like Hades, like run-based progression is is really good at kind of just drip feeding you stuff. And even when you are failing and not progressing, like it still gives you something because there is so much dialogue <laughs> in that game. Holy crap. <laughs> like there's so much of it. Um, And it's also good, right? So it's... it's it's an easy game to just kind of pluck away at and put time into. But one thing that I I do also really respect it for is like if you do find the difficulty too much because like to properly beat that game, you have to finish it quite a few times. Um, There is a mode that they have in the settings where you can just, you you turn it on and you get a little bit stronger every run. So you get a little bit more health and you do a little bit more damage every run, Um, which is also an option, which was something I considered doing, but I don't know. My pride keeps me from doing that. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm
1: going to avoid doing that until things are more upgraded. Mm-hmm. Once I feel like I can't upgrade things super well anymore, I'm definitely probably going to press that.
0: Yeah, because that's just, you know, a way if you just want to see the story and stuff at the end, because it's kind of the, the the glue that sticks people to that game, right? Mm-hmm. So... Last game I kind of wanted to talk about here today. I think this is the last game on our list. And then we have a bunch of news to kind of roll through. Um, this game isn't out yet. This comes out on the 21st, but has a demo. And I've just played the demo a fourth time. So I figured I might as well talk about it on the podcast. Um, so did, did either of you play Fear?
1: No. Fear? the Original
0: Fear. Yeah. Yes. Two, 2005, I think. Yeah. Um, well, if you like Fear... Uh, the people over at Tripang Studios uh, making Tripang 2, which is not a sequel. It's that's, that, that's like a radioactive thing. Um, anyway, uh, Tripang 2 uh, is uh, published by Team 17. It's that. If you like Fear, it's that. And Fear has a pretty oh, yeah. unique style of gameplay, right? So Fear, for people who missed it in Sui, I suppose, uh, Fear is a first-person shooter developed by... Was, was it Monolith? Jeez, I actually can't remember who developed Fear. Anyway, uh, yeah, Fear, cool. Fear... Fear was a, um, it is I guess a action horror game, um, which is more of an action game. Like there's a scary little girl that like spooks you sometimes and screams at you, and she's kind of annoying. But like really, she she's just kind of there in the background. The meat of that game is some of the most fun dudes in a video game to fight and fantastic. Fantastic gunplay combined with a slow motion button and the ability to kick people in the face and make their heads explode. And it is fantastic. And Trepang 2 is walking in those footsteps minus the spooky little girl. Although from the to. From the trailers, there is a sequence with zombies or, like, weird undead things running at you. So I'm sure there's some sort of supernatural stuff. The demo takes place—it's about 30 minutes long, and uh, it takes place in a prison escape thing. So you wake up and you're, like, you're in a prison cell and you have handcuffs on. And pretty quickly, you kill the guard, steal his key, break out of the handcuffs, and unlock the door, take his gun. And really quickly, you realize, okay, so I can round—I can run into a room. With, like, ten guys in it, they do the thing that they did in fear, where they call out where you are, they point-spot you, they flip tables over and knock over vending machines and take cover, they're fun to fight, and you can, uh, John Wick through the air, in slow motion, roundhouse kick a guy in the face and dual-wield shotguns. And the animation for it is incredible. Like, it's, it's not something that a human should be able to do. Like, you it's two pump action shotguns at the same time. So the animation is like you shoot <laughs> one of them, throw it in the air, shoot the other one, catch the first one, instead of holding the trigger, you catch it, pump it, throw it in the air again, catch it in like a weird juggling kind of thing and like <laughs> bouncing it off his waist and just re- like it is it, this game just lets you do some of the dumbest things like like you can like pick up you can grab a guy, you can pull the pin out on his grenade and throw him at the other guys. It is, you are a super powerful, super soldier, practically a superhero, and it is, you can make an entire building turn red with, like, red goo from whatever comes out of them, and it is, I don't know, I, I, I that game comes out in 10 days and I can't wait.
1: Ooh, that sounds like silly fun.
0: I mean, like, it's, it's super grim and super dark and brooding, but, like, you can just ter- turn five dudes in a small room into just like a red cloud, <laughs> and it's just—it's just great. I—I I don't know. I, I love like I'm not really a, I'm not generally a shooter person, but I love dumb over the top shooters with great gunplay that let me do some John Woo stupid, and um, I'm in. Like yeah. just let just let me fly through the air in slow motion and roundhouse kick a guy so hard his head explodes, and I'm good. I will play your video game
2: well i mean i i played i played the original fear and i i'm not good at horror games like they stress me out a lot but i really enjoyed the actual gunplay of that so what i used to do was i'd play like an hour and then i'd have to take like three hour break um but man like the actual gunplay in that was just so much fun um like i have vivid memories of like running around with the I forget what the name of it was, but it was like a a gun that fired stakes and would like let mm-hmm. you pin people up against mm-hmm. the wall, and all yep. kinds of silly stuff like that. It was it was just very very satisfying.
0: I I replayed the original Fear. I think it was two years ago, which was fifteen years after it came out, which is crazy. Um, and uh, or maybe it was the year before. I can't even remember. Anyway, um, I, I replayed it a couple that's really of years terrifying. ago. Really terrifying. And there's a clip somewhere of me throwing a grenade into one of those office sections, the grenade going off and a dude flying out who's still alive. And I shoot this and I had it in slow motion. I shoot the stake gun and pin him to the ceiling. And I was like, this is the best game ever made. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I guess I'm also kind of the polar opposite of you. Like I think that the horror air quotes in fear, especially these days is like not even remotely scary to the point where like Alma will show up and I'll just burst out laughing because like, Oh no, the the walls are bleeding. <laughs> like, yay. <laughs> I don't know. She's she's just a, a funny little ghost that follows you around throughout that game. But yeah, I, I don't know. I am I, I can't wait for Trepang too because people don't make shooters like that. And it's not even like a they don't make them like they used to. It's like fear was just kind of a -a one-of-a-kind thing that nobody's really replicated since. Yeah,
2: I mean, even the the subsequent Fear games, I don't think even came close to really capturing that same, uh, level of gunplay.
0: Yeah, no, Fear 2 and Fear 3, uh, certainly never, like, lived up to, um... Fear 1's legacy and like the the massive shame about Fear is if you go look up Fear on Steam right now, you can't actually buy the original Fear on Steam. You have oh, to really? buy Fear 1 2 and 3 all in one package uh for oh. 54.99 Canadian dollars. Or I think $50 or something um in other regions and you can buy 2 and 3 3 separately for $14 or $20, but you can't buy that original Fear anymore on Steam. You have to get oh. it off of GOG but it it does still run just fine. And it's like, I think it's $10 on GOG. Um, But uh, yeah, no, like it was very much diminishing returns. Fear two is okay, but like it's, it's no fear one. Yeah. And also it is monolith soft who developed those. Yeah. They, they're, they're making, they're making a uh, wonder woman game. I think they made Gotham Knights or no, not Gotham Knights. They, uh, they put out shadow of war and shadow of Mordor that's what
2: they did but uh
0: yeah no fear fear was kind of one of a kind thing and i can't wait to play something that's reminiscent of that
2: i might have to go back and play it again just see how it kind of measures up how (laughs) because like in my mind it's like one of those games i was just like oh man this is the scariest shit ever maybe maybe my tolerance has increased since then who knows i I have a feeling
0: i have a feeling it won't (laughs) be particularly scary i mean it's Maybe. it's a haunted house right like you know y- you know when you're walking into a hor- into a horror area because nobody has said he's in the window or be- behind the table in like two minutes and there's a flickery light and you go okay where's alma where's alma Where- ah, okay there's alma okay cool okay now i get to shoot people again great <laughs> and then like I-, I don't know if you finished the original fear but like by the end of that game they're just like shoot the ghosts with bullets <laughs> Like you know, there's there's also something to be said about a horror game where it's like, I have a rocket launcher. Come at me, ghosts. Um, so you know, the rail gun, and then man, that game had a rail gun that just turned dudes into skeletons. That game was great. That. Anyway, we've got a lot of news to talk about, so I I think we're we're gonna go to a real quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the the news because Twitch did things. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll be back right after this. And we're back with the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, and it's time to talk about the news. So um, Twitch did the thing again where they communicated poorly and annoyed everybody, except this time everybody's actually, like, really mad because the thing that they did – made everybody really mad, and it's not good. So I'm going to stop nattering on for a second here and let Drongo give us kind of an overview because this this affects everybody regardless of, like, how much you care about their specific changes because these are pretty drastic. So, Drongo, do you want to give us a little bit of an overview of what yeah, Twitch so has been up to over the week? Earlier this
2: week, um, Twitch came out and updated their branded policy guidelines for basically how uh, that governs how uh advertising and stuff can be disclosed uh what is allowed and also you know what restrictions there are around um, advertised content and within this update there was some really really aggressive and overreaching language that basically said that um uh, content creators weren't allowed to advertise uh, on on their platform using a whole bunch of things, including banner ads and, um, you know, video, video sources in your OBS, or as they refer to it as burned-in sources, like actually built into OBS. And mm-hmm. um, uh, on-screen displays such as logos if they took up more than 3% of the screen space. Now... Uh, a lot of Twitch streamers rely on their sponsorship revenue and a lot of value can be found in having, um, you know, these sorts of things appearing on the stream. It gives value to the sponsors and the language was very, very broad and it not only impacted individual... Uh, content creators it also impacted the ability for events on Twitch to run you know big esports events that often have big sponsors that are you know have banner overlays and um, actual inbuilt ads within their uh, format and also charities as well that often rely on sponsors to actually run their charity events on Twitch. So the updates to the policy were immediately Pushed back on by the community as a whole. There was a, a really, really big groundswell of negative feedback towards Twitch. Um, subsequently, uh, later that day, there was a meeting between the Twitch executives and Twitch staff and the Twitch ambassadors, and the Twitch ambassadors spoke to Twitch and basically kind of outlined their concerns from a, uh, a creator perspective, which it was really useful. And a few hours after that, I think around eight hours after that, Twitch announced that they were going to be removing that language and pulling it back and basically said, hey, the, the, uh, our intention was not to stop content creators being able to enter into individual agreements with sponsors and uh, manage relationships, direct relationships with third parties Um, such as individual sponsors agencies marketing stuff like that but it's actually targeting third-party ad networks and unfortunately this was all still worded in a way that was very very clear and very very vague and open to a lot of interpretation and it still really didn't quell the overall uh, negative feelings about this it also didn't help the fact that even though twitch did walk back the language that was included in the brand policy uh, guidelines, they uh, unfortunately left the language in the terms of service in point twelve under advertisements, the same overreaching language, um which meant that it was still there after they said that it was going to be gone, which then caused a second surge of uh, backlash as Twitch was trying to play damage control and uh fortunately as of recording this now that has been removed or has actually been tweaked i should say to clarify that this uh you know that they are specifically talking about third party ad networks not um individual relationships for streamers uh, to enter into agreements and um you know one of the big things here is I don't think a lot of streamers and content creators really understand what Twitch is talking about when they uh, say they're targeting third-party ad networks. There's a lot of different interpretations out there from a lot of different streamers, and Twitch has done a really, really exceptionally poor job of actually explaining their intent and explaining their motivations behind doing this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a wild, wild ride.
0: Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, Twitch has also sent out new partner contracts, um, which has some weird wording in it. Uh, one thing in section 2.1 con- under content programming that's been highlighted by Moblord and shared around on social media sites quite a bit um, is the following line, which is, you further agree to provide a constant amount of live content Program quality live content, regularly interact and engage with viewers of your Twitch channel and respond to live viewers of your Twitch channel via Twitch chat. And if you do not do this, they will terminate your Twitch partnership, which is leading to more uncertainty of people going, oh, so if I don't stream regularly, I lose partnership, which
2: is also weird. This is something that is going to be expanded on. Um, So I've spoken to uh, some staff already uh, specifically about this. This is actually going to be um, specifically addressed and um, elaborated on because at the moment it is still super vague. Um, Basically, the change in the um, moving away from actual individual partner contracts. Now there is a uh, overall monetized streamer agreement um, that is applicable to all partners um, except for a very select small handful and also affiliates and that puts everybody basically under the same TOS and guidelines um, which basically makes navigating the whole lot um, you know a lot simpler for Twitch and one of the big reasons that Twitch is given to actually changing these contracts over is that um, depending on when your Twitch partner agreement was originally drafted, the um, end user license agreement would have been different uh, for each uh, part of that, which added a lot of complexity on their backend and opened them up to potential legal problems down the road. Um, so there's there's a lot of complexity there and there is a lot of things that are super vague Um, but I think we can expect to see that there is going to be some clarification coming from that very soon.
1: One thing I have seen is apparently they're extending, like, the no competing, uh, like, simulcasting streams to even people who aren't affiliated. Like, it's just anyone streaming on the site, which I don't, I didn't read the legalese on this part yet, um, but I have heard that circulating around. Yeah,
0: so the result is now Ninja no longer streams on Twitch.
2: Yeah, correct. Yeah, <laughs> like so basically again. they've they've made it so that before, if you were an affiliate, you could do, uh, simultaneously uh, broadcast nope. your stream on multiple platforms nope. um, from no. No. the same so, video so source. Wrong. That's not true, silly. So.
1: No, I read the affiliate contract when I signed yes. it. It said yeah, no, but, but
2: there, was, a, there was there was a change was made to it. Last they, year. they
0: they changed it last year for about a year.
2: Yeah. That.
1: well, they changed it so non non-com- like no. non-competitive stuff like TikTok and no, stuff like fine. No. They
0: they changed it for not for partners, but for affiliates for a bit there you could simulcast on uh, YouTube, TikTok, everywhere else. You, for a brief period of time, it was about a year, hmm. you could yeah. do that. Um, I it just wasn't that. for partners. And then this has changed it now again for everybody in the opposite direction.
2: Yeah, and that's why a bunch of people, including people like Ninja, basically gave up their partner uh, contracts and benefits uh, to uh, be able to simulcast. And that is why there has been a backlash now against this particular change because it's basically like, well, why did we give up being partner if we still if now we can't do it anyway? Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's very strange because, like, I. I... For me it's the I think the smallest thing here is simulcast simulcasting because I don't know if any of you have ever tried it <laughs> um, but it ain't easy um it is it is really really difficult to simulcast on multiple platforms and you kind of need to be at close to if not at the scale of Ninja or everybody just congregates onto one pl- platform anyway Um, A friend of mine, Nucreum, has simulcasted on, I think it was YouTube and Twitch and maybe one other platform for a good number of years um, and eventually just like stopped simulcasting and now just streams on Twitch um, as a Twitch partner because it, it like, yeah, he'd get like 150 viewers on YouTube and like 80 viewers on Twitch, but he does better financially just streaming on Twitch so like simulcasting is like kind of a unique niche thing that i've 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 definitely seen people trying to do it but i like that that to me is the smallest portion of this but maybe i'm narrow-minded and need to get into the modern streaming era where everybody streams on everything all at once simultaneously
2: yeah well i mean i think the 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 interesting thing here is that you can still Uh, effectively broadcast yourself on multiple platforms live it just can't be coming from the same video source
0: i Um, uh, actually i i know a blacksmith channel who does that uh he's been simulcasting on like five different services for years and he just has five cameras and they're just slightly different angles and it's just him blacksmithing right but it's like he'll have one for reddit one one for tiktok one for instagram one for twitch which is like you know his full screen thing with multiple cameras and like you know, it's it's pricey for him to set that up, but it, it works, and they all just cross promote the Twitch, and it blows his Twitch up quite a bit. So, you know, like there, there there definitely are ways that you can simulcast. You just can't use basically Restream.io is not very happy right now. <laughs> um, yeah, but that that's kind of about it. I don't know, like that 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 whole non compete thing always just weirded me out. Like I remember YouTube used to do that back in the day when YouTube made their original live streaming platform, which was. God awful. They had very strict non-compete clauses to the point where if you were a YouTube partner, you couldn't even like stream for fun on a different platform. Because I remember when Justin TV was blowing up, CNanners couldn't stream on Justin TV because he was a YouTube contract streamer and had to stream on the YouTube platform, which everybody hated, which didn't even have chat at the time. Um, so like to Ooh. to me, it it like doesn't make sense to do that, but like also it affects a pretty small minority. I, I think. The 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 bit that really perplexes me about this, I guess, is just all the ad content stuff, and then the changes to the contracts. But at the same time, like, I think they kind of needed to change the contracts at some point. And when they're when contracts get changed, in any kind of freelancing industry, it's going to freak people out, right? Because contracts are hard to read, they're hard to, <laughs> to like acknowledge, and you have to sign it or you lose all of your income, right? Like,
2: absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and the other thing as well is that there's always going to be an inherent amount of inbuilt vagueness within contracts like this you, you, they're they're deliberately and strategically vague in certain places because it is really really hard to make very specific legal stipulations that cover every imaginable scenario and you know it's in twitch's best interest to make sure that their contracts cover as much um as as much uh room and as many scenarios as possible for them and they're going to do what is in the best interest for them and you know it's our job i guess in the uh counter position you know we're at uh, the whims of twitch but you know we've got to be vocal about our um you know this dissatisfaction with overly vague um contract terms you know especially around you know well okay what what is what do you mean by quality content what do you mean by consistent you know they're they're very very vague terminologies um i it it, for in terms to the ad stuff with the um what what twitch is talking about with third-party ad networks i actually made a video specifically going into a bit of a deep dive and talking specifically about this Um, so i won't go too much in detail but i can say that there is genuinely um, third-party ad network platforms out there that are not stream elements and things that people often kind of think of when they're talking about this, um, but there are platforms such as uh, Show and Live Ad or Live Ad that basically um, get streamers to register them and sign a contract with them, and they those streamers that have contracts with them will then have an inbuilt widget that is exists on their stream that the um, network platform. Uh, can then push advertisers on uh, ads directly to their streams. Um, that is not like a, a specific arrangement, a specific agreement. And that basically competes directly with Twitch's uh, Twitch's uh, own advertising portal and own advertising platform uh, with mid-rolls or pre-rolls. And that's what they're really, really concerned about. And, um, you know, a lot of people probably have been playing down, you know, th- those that I have heard talking about these platforms have been playing down, you know, whether these are actually genuinely competing with twa- uh, Twitch for their ad space. But, you know, Live Ad within the last year has worked with Disney, Mercedes-Benz, Domino's, uh, Pandora, um, you know, lots and lots of really, really big, big companies that Twitch would absolutely love to be getting, Um, you know that advertising money through them um, but basically a third party is selling their ad space um, to these people
0: yeah no I, i i've seen those um uh like styles of ads uh, on a couple of esports streams and uh, a few a f- in a few other mm-hmm. places um, specifically on like dota streams and stuff like that i yes. I, I don't know there, there's like certain communities that i think have really adopted that kind of marketing um yes. with the baked in stream ads um so yeah no i'm
1: i mean i have that but it's only for like it's one company you know well i mean technically it's two companies that work together but like i know exactly what it's for and everything and like you know it's just those two companies
2: yeah
1: um Where- and it's just for like a pc hardware company you know um but i have been contact- contacted by show recently and i'm just like i'm just not gonna respond because like I don't think they're going to be viable pretty soon. They'll it's just no be, be responding moving to
0: different platforms, you know.
2: Yeah. But I I, I mean the the I mean to 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 your point blind. Yeah, you, I I think you're right that there is uh, certain parts of Twitch that have really adopted these um integrations much more heavily, um specifically the Spanish and Turkish audiences on Twitch which are, you know, pretty sizable. Also Brazil. Um,
0: I think every single Brazilian-based streamer I know
2: has some sort 100%. of bacon ad. Yes, exactly. It is really, really big. So they are, you know... It, and I think it's only now that we're starting to see um, some streamers uh, in the English-speaking space really start to adopt them. Like, I know a few um, a few people have recently signed contracts with Livad um, under the GG Talent Agency, um, mm. you know, the one that Kiri's under. Yep. Um so, like, it is it is now starting to filter through into the English space, and I think, you know, unless Twitch nips it in the butt, it is going to be something that continues to be uh, a growing problem for them.
0: Yeah, this, man, what was it called? Was it called Loots or something? There was that service where viewers could go and trigger an ad on your stream, and then the streamer would get paid money based on the view count. I can't remember the name of it, but there, there's, there's been services that have been adopted by people in my circles before, but... None of them have really stuck around, and like like you said, they're much larger than like the the Turkish and the non English portions of Twitch. But like the, the the thing I guess that really makes me grumbly about all of this is all that this really does, and this like th- this very much reminds me of like twenty. I think it was twenty. 20- 15 on youtube when youtube changed their partner contracts so that anybody with less than a thousand subscribers and four thousand viewer minutes lost their partnership because back youtube has gone through like i think four eras now they started off being very community focused then got super locked down and weirdly protective of their content and then they became kind of very community focused again and then got more locked down but not as locked down as they were previously and they've kind of just stayed that way since um when youtube did that this feels like that where Um, suddenly a whole bunch of people lost their YouTube contracts. Admittedly, they were all tiny, right? Like, I was one of them. I had like 400 subscribers on YouTube or whatever, and I'd saved up like 90-something dollars in an AdSense account, which you can't get until you get $100, so I had $90 sit in an AdSense account until 2019 when I finally got YouTube Partner back. Um, and uh, it's... This kind of feels like that, to a degree. And when you have that level of community distrust, even if it's misplaced, like this is to me mostly just seems like bad communication and like some of these changes kind of suck, but like none of them are, you know, like I don't think it's going to bankrupt anybody. Um The, except for maybe some very specific people, if you have a really strange income flow, I, I, I suppose like, but even if it's not going to hurt people, it makes people leave the platform. Right. And yeah. e- in the past, like, Four days. I've had some people just straight up say, "Yeah, I'm canceling all my Twitch subs. I don't support Twitch anymore." And it's like, "Why?" And it's like, "Well, the changes they're making to this thing." I'm like, "But that doesn't affect any of but any of the people you watch. <laughs> like, why? Why would you do that?" Um, and it, it just makes like sites like kick for some reason seem more appealing. Um, at least where 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 I come from, I I wouldn't touch kick with a 250 foot pole if they offered me money because it they allow slots on that site and it's funded by cryptocurrency gambling which I will not go near I I don't care um fortunately I I'm also in the position of having like a rather sizable YouTube channel which I could jump to if I needed to like if Twitch suddenly shut down tomorrow I would just go stream full-time on YouTube and probably do okay um so I, I I don't know it's this 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 stuff just sucks, and I really wish that I really wish they were better at communicating. I wish they like currently they they really can't talk to the partners either. Like they they can't tell us something first because people just can screenshot and tweet it out. They they don't care. Like regardless of like like if if Twitch used to send out emails like when there was I think only eight thousand Twitch partners or so, they used to send out emails which were like confidential. You can't say anything about what is what's in this email and. Generally, stuff wouldn't leak out, but at like, there's what eighty thousand Twitch partners now. Like, they stuff just shows up on social media the second Twitch sends it to us. So instead of like even trying to communicate with us, like to me, I, like we, I I say we, but I wasn't a partner at the time. I personally feel that large portion of the reason why that changed is because they, um, like we we ruined that for ourselves to a degree. We 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 broke that trust because. They can't tell us what they're doing in advance anymore, so they just make changes, and then it just goes out publicly, and then everybody gets them, and then it's like half of us are streaming while these changes come into place, and then it's like, okay, how, how do we deal with this? And it just it causes panic and unrest, and just causes people to lose money, and viewership. Yeah.
2: Well, I think I think that part of the problem is is that Twitch doesn't even really have the ability to trust itself. Um, you know, we've I think that a lot of leaks these days um that are coming out in advance are coming from twitch internally and getting leaked directly out it's not a case of um being leaked by twitch partners these days it's getting leaked by staff themselves well, so it almost feels like too twitch has right? to kind of um segregate the information that gets shared between its own internal teams which is just kind of a, a crazy way to run a company like that when it is you know really crucial for a lot of changes to actually have the proper consultation to make the right decisions regarding you know big changes like this and you know there's a lot of rightful criticism being leveraged at twitch uh saying that you know realistically they did not consult the right teams within twitch and um you know externally from twitch you know they didn't consult the ambassador team like if you're not going to consult uh twitch partners that's fine but you've got this whole team of actual ambassadors that are content creators you know specialists figureheads that you represent twitch and know the platform intimately you know they're a fantastic resource to be able to um if you're making policy changes that impact creators directly um actually you know speak to them refer to them get information from them to understand the impact from their perspective like it's um it's just a really really bizarre situation that twitch just seems to be unable to manage the communication and the uh workflow to actually operate effectively it is it's just truly astonishing how um how bad some of it is
0: yeah, I don't I don't really have much more to um really add to that. So I I guess at this point we'll just a lot of this stuff's still in flux. I'm sure it'll come up again on this podcast if um if we hear more from this and I'm sure it'll be talked about again. So Let's, uh, let's kind of start to wind this podcast down a little bit by uh, skimming over the Summer Games Fest, or Game Fest, I think is what they actually call it. There's no S, which kind of hurts my brain because I thought it was Summer Games Fest. Yeah. But let's talk about the Summer Game Fest real quick. Uh, a bunch of stuff was announced the other day, and there's a bunch of other things happening on the schedule. So, uh, Sui, uh, you, you've been kind of quiet a little bit yeah. through this uh, bureaucracy and sadness. So uh, what, what would you like to uh, <laughs> jump into first with Summer Game Fest?
1: um i just have a few things to note Fairy farm is not only a nintendo switch exclusive it is for pc as well now which i'm super excited about because it looks really cute it's a cute fairy farming sim um then lake is getting a dlc and there's a bunch of cool indie games coming out um i might like post about those on social
0: media or something so drongo anything you want to point at and highlight from uh, game fest
2: Yeah, so they announced uh, and showed some gameplay footage of uh, Space Marine 2 um, and the co-op from that. And man, I adore Space Marine 1. I'm a big fan of the Warhammer 40K universe, as I mentioned earlier, talking about Rogue Trader. But um, that game was just a a fantastic um, example of a third-person shooter that really captured the environment, captured the gunplay, captured the weight and the feel of, um, you know, the character that you're meant to be playing in that. And my goodness, if the game, if the second game plays as in the same sort of way and has that same feeling in, of playing coupled with the visuals and the environments that they've showcased already through those videos and with co-op as well, this could be a real banger. I don't want to I don't want to get too overly excited, but I am, you know, at this stage a little bit a little bit optimistic that it could be genuinely really good.
0: If that game is really good, I'm going to play the hell out of that.
2: Same. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um other things that got announced, uh, Alan Wake 2 got a uh, a gameplay reveal. Um it looks a lot more occult than the first one. If you played the original Alan Wake, it was very kind of like um Sort of Silent Hill, but also maybe a little bit more, like, whimsical and kind of funny. Like, it it was a horror game, but it was very much like a thriller more than a horror game. And it had a lot of very fun, light characters. This seems a lot darker, because, like, they did say this one's going to be a survival horror game. And uh, it looks like something, and it looks kind of freaky. So, kind of curious about that. Um, Star Trek Infinite. Uh, is a uh, grand strategy game from Paradox, or published by Paradox? Yes. Um, uh, devel- de- developed by a, a, de- a studio named Nimble Giant Entertainment. Um, and uh, by the end of it, like it pans out at the the, the ground, and it looks kind of like Stellaris. So, uh, I man, I, I'd be curious to see what that looks like. And uh, my one of my favorite film directors of all time uh, is directing. Uh, John Carpenter's toxic commando, which is like a first person zombie shooter. I I don't know if this is gonna be any good, but like I like John Carpenter a whole lot and I like his creature design and uh, the the thing I don't really trust about it is I know he's a really big fan of Assassin's Creed and really likes Ubisoft games. so <laughs> I don't know what this is gonna be like, but like I don't know, I'm curious. Um,
1: as a whole there was a lot of co-op uh, like FPS and specifically like zombie shooter yeah. games announced like a lot
0: speaking of co-op this is something I have absolutely no hope or expectation that it will be any good but Lord of the Rings uh, Return to Moria is coming out this fall uh, which is the first person uh, dwarf Moria survival crafting game um, mm. which you know I it's like what if Deep Rock Galactic, but, like, uh, more survival-focused and also uh, in Lord of the Rings? After Golem, I don't trust any Lord of the Rings games. Like, it's it's going to take a while for me to, like, have any faith that any of them will be any good. But that's got a release date. Uh, Baldur's Gate's also got a release date. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening. Path of Exile, Exile 2 is no longer a meme. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's... Nicholas Cage is a meme and he's in Dead by Daylight as Nicholas Cage playing himself. So <laughs> cool. Good, good stuff. Good stuff's happening. Games games are being games and uh, I think we're going to wrap up this podcast. So um before I do the uh, podcast blurb outro, Sui, who are you and where can we find you on the internet?
1: I am Sui, you can find me on Twitch, Sui, S-U-W-E-Y. My YouTube, my main channel is at Sui. My VOD archive is at Sui Streams. I'm on Twitter at Sui Streams and most other social platforms at Sui Streams.
0: And Drongo, same thing.
2: Uh, I am Bloody Drongo. I am a content creator, voice actor, and commission artist. And you can find me on Twitter as Bloody Drongo, all one word. And on Twitter as at TheBloodyDrongo.
0: I'm BlindIRL, and you can find me as BlindIRL, and I have an upset stomach, so I'm going to go eat some Tums and lie on my... (laughs) bed for a bit and then edit a (laughs) podcast uh this is the halcyon frequency podcast you can find more episodes over at halcyonfrequency.com uh if you want to talk about this podcast we have a room on our community discord where you can discuss the podcast and things happening about it Um, and if you would like to um hear like more episodes of this podcast it should be findable in any places where you can find organic podcasts on uh the podcast farms uh if you can't find it somewhere just dm me and i'll make it appear there or if it disappears from somewhere d- dm me and i'll make it reappear there it disappeared from itunes briefly because i needed to update a thing i'm sorry okay it's back now um and it was only gone for like a day uh and uh then as, aside from that um thank you very much to peter Pohl and paul mile for the uh love lovely intro and outro music you've heard during this show and uh With all that being said, this has been Halcyon Frequency. Till next week, episodes go live on Sunday. Don't touch that dial. This is Halcyon Frequency, signing off.